Biggest noise of the night in the stadium. Holmes takes the snap, gets rid of it quickly. Tony takes the catch and struts into the end zone. Patrick Mahomes has brought his team from deficit and they are on the cusp of leading Super Bowl 57. Two surgical drives after halftime. And that's exactly why he gets on these junkets every year. Live from Vegas, Jared Whaley, welcome to Summer Breakfast. James, Michael, it's great to be with you from... Um yeah, from a, an eye-popping place, I must say, after a few days in Vegas. Where do we find you this morning? Is it, is it morning over in Vegas? Where are you right now? It's, yeah, it's just gone 1pm. You 1 can lose track of the time here in Vegas. Um, they live <laughs> on different clocks. Um, yeah, so, we're, so we're on the strip. Everything's on the strip. It's part of the genius of the rise of sport here is its proximity to the middle of town. So... Uh, we're down the a south end. That's where the stadium is, uh, which is built, uh, opened in 2020. Sleek, beautiful-looking stadium that's nicknamed the Death Star because it's black and silver. Um, we were inside it last night for opening night, and it is going to make for a spectacular Super Bowl. The first casino hotel along from there is Mandalay Bay, and that's been designated as sort of the the central point for media but as you work your way up the strip right in the middle of it is the Bellagio the iconic Bellagio with the fountains and then Caesars Palace which has probably taken on uh, the form of the, the quasi centerpiece where they are beaming images up onto the the uh, the building of key players and the logos of both teams and yeah the, the city's awash with Super Bowl color on a Tuesday what was your first impression of the stadium I was there in, in December got to watch two NFL games there and it is I know it's the newest stadium in America but it is the best stadium I've been to yeah it's it's so I for me so far in LA is the the benchmark and this is this is right there with it um brilliantly designed 70,000 seats but it really feels quite intimate yeah and we were there last night there were 24,000 fans there for opening night the vast majority of whom were uh, 49ers fans and their reaction so we stood down on the field and so the noise would wash down so that's a third of the crowd that will be there on Sunday and uh, it was near on deafening and it was it was absolutely sensational so as a viewing stadium I can't imagine there's a bad seat in there and then just for the spectacle that's going to be as it translates to, to television it will look sensational um, this is that they use the modern technologies here so well and price is not an issue uh, when they build these stadiums and uh, they do them ever so well. Outside of the stadium, uh, have you had a chance to take in the sights and sounds of Vegas? Sydney's own Joel Kane was transfixed by the sphere while he was over in Vegas. Yes. Have you had a chance to see that? Yeah, so we went there on uh, Monday night and uh, Sunday night and did the sphere experience. So... It's mesmerising on the outside. And I know that there's the tendency to ridicule it as the world's most elaborate billboard, but it's absolutely mesmerising, and from the air as well. And then inside, they have this immersive film. So it's an 18,000-seat stadium with a screen that rolls up the sphere. It's a 270-degree screen, and they play a film that captures the, the, the most magnificent landscapes of the world um, under the underwater... Um, the it, it takes in a, a, a space element to it, 
Uh, it's in, it's an immersive film that is it, that's incredible to behold, and it creates that sensation of moving forward and backward and up and down, uh, and then it's got the the vibrating seats. So when the elephant thunders by, the the seats vibrate. It's even got that you're inside a tuk tuk at one stage, and there's so you feel the ripples of the road. It, it's so brilliantly done, and uh, we are going to go and see you two on Wednesday night there. Uh, I took the, uh, under advice, I asked our SEN audience, what should I do in Vegas? And, and I did take the chopper ride out to the Grand Canyon, which is just awe-inspiring uh, over the Western Rim. So over the most sort of arid and hellish landscape out to, to get to uh, the 300-foot drop of the Grand Canyon. You go and land inside it. it it's, it's jaw-dropping. And I'm not sure that the photos ever quite do justice to it. Flying over the Hoover Dam, which was the the climax from Superman, the movie, when I was a kid, so that's instantly recognisable. And on my first night here, I thought, what was the most Vegasy thing I could do? So I went and saw the David Copperfield show, and it was, I'd say it was hilariously ridiculous. Um, it's, it was, lives the absolute cliché, and then I think if I could share one more cliché with you, they opened Super Bowl week here yesterday, and they rolled out Mr. Las Vegas, Wayne Newton, and a more weekend at Bernie scene you could not have imagined. <laughs> I didn't know Wayne was still with us. I thought, yeah. <laughs> no, neither did I. He plays every night at the Flamingo still. <laughs> <laughs> what about the nightlife, Jared? Have you been to any of the casinos or the nightclubs? I was a big pool party guy when I was over in Vegas. Right. MC was telling me it's probably a bit too cold at the moment. Yeah, but uh, have you yeah, sampled yeah. any of the nightlife of Vegas yet? So, James, I'm going to take a wild stab at things and say that you're a Vegas guy and I'm not a Vegas <laughs> guy. So I, I, feel like, I feel like we know each other well enough just to delineate like that. We have, we've walked through the casinos because that's, as you know, that's how the town is set up. You yeah. spend, or, or you walk through the floors of the casino to get everywhere you go and they're yeah. interlinked. And mm. um, So, no, it is... We, Joel, who's producing, he's come across with me as neither is the Vegas guys. We fancy playing craps before our time here is done. So we, we stood at the craps pits at the um, Bellagio and at Caesars Palace. Because on the movies and in the TV shows, that's where it looks like they're having the most fun, yeah, the dice game. It does. So we're, we're trying to learn how to play that for maybe our last night here and we don't have delusions of grandeur that we're going to pay for our trip or anything but we just want to play a game where we might get two hours of fun for our money but there's it was um it it felt confusing but we're progressively working our way through how we might attack that before we're done now you are there to call the game for SEN. Very Am lucky I? to have, yeah, <laughs> very right. lucky to have the Super Bowl here on SEN. <laughs> now I'm really uh, interested, Jared. How do you prepare? So these are two huge squads. You have to know players' names, positions, scoring opportunities. How do you prepare to call a Super Bowl for SEN? So the, probably the first thing to say, James, is I love the sport and I've always watched it and I watch it right throughout the season. So I'd watch two or three games a week and now knowing that this sits at the climax, you sort of find your work down. Is The 49ers all year looked like the team that would make it from the NFC and I'm fortunate enough to have called the Chiefs in multiple Super Bowls already uh, and love watching Mahomes. He's my favourite player. So I feel like as a base, just as a, an observer, I, I do know these teams well. 
And then uh, the, the blessing of the two-week gap between the conference championships and the Super Bowl is it does give you time to go back and study those games, the who and the how, the way they like to play and, and all that's intertwined in that. And then it's a bit like everything else. It is As long as you've got your ID pinned down, you know, who's who, uh, then it's just you sort of have to let just let the game dictate to you as to how it's going to unfold and, and what the storylines will be and where the action is. And it is, it's actually a beautiful sport to call because it's a march down the field. Every play starts with the snap to the quarterback who then dictates play. So he either hands off to the running backs or he chooses to throw or he scampers himself or he gets that. So he's the centrepiece of it. So to create a radio visual... Um, I think it's it's a it's almost like cricket. There's the bowler has ball in hand and he dictates what happens next down to the batter and, and the action unfolds from there. So yeah, I, I love doing it. It's such a privilege to be a part of. And um, yeah, I th- th- this is a I know um, in America they were hoping for a different matchup, something a bit new. But this is the best team of its of its generation post the Patriots against the best team of the year. So I think it's absolutely stacked. Can we start comparing this team to the Patriots now if if they win this Super Bowl? Got to win three. So yeah. my marker for dynasties in any sport is three, and that's what's there for Mahomes. And they've done it in a totally different way this year. It's for most of the year, they didn't look like the team that could be here at the end. Their defense kept them in the season, and they had a chronic case of the dropsies with their receivers who aren't as star-studded as they have been in previous years. But there was always the promise that at the end, Mahomes would snap them into gear on offense, and that's exactly what's happened. So they are underdogs, the Chiefs. I feel like we've seen enough not to bet against Mahomes. They have it. So Mahomes against Purdy. So Purdy's the, the last pick from a draft in his second season as a starting quarterback for the 49ers. That is, it's an astonishing story. It is just so unlikely. He picked up the moniker Mr. Irrelevant out of his draft, and here he is in a Super Bowl. Is So they're overmatched at quarterback by Mahomes, but the 49ers spend their money everywhere else. Uh, so they're, they're described as an, an all-world team elsewhere, whereas Mahomes is doing it with fewer pieces than he's, than he's ever had before. So, yeah, as a, as a sporting contest, it is rich with possibilities. From a, a media perspective or a public appearance perspective, where do you see the plays? I, again, what's their role like now heading into... Um, the game. Yeah, so last night's a great spectacle. In in Melbourne, ahead of the um, grand final, we have the Friday parade. In, in America, ahead of a Super Bowl, they have the Monday night opening night. And it was the first time it had ever been held in the stadium that's going to host the game. And it was so well attended with 24,000 people. The two teams are presented up on stage and then uh, massive media opportunities and great fan engagement from there. And then every day there's um, media opportunities out at their training bases um, but once you get through the Monday night, that, that's when the energy of the town and all the events tend to take over. So the preparations happen like they do for every grand final around the world. The, the teams train each day and there's endless questions around tactics which really aren't answered until the game itself is played. But now is where the events calendar really kicks in and um, there, there'd be 300-plus parties, events, appearances that are planned is the who's who of the NFL swings through town virtually from today onwards. The, the, 
um, public numbers swell. They, they sort of almost double day on day on day. And there'll be a huge number. There'll be, there'll be a couple of million visitors here by Saturday night. And then one of the funny parts of a Super Bowl is there's an exodus on Sunday morning. People go home to watch the game if you're not in amongst either the, the tailgaters on the outside or the 70-odd thousand who have tickets for the inside. So they come for the week, and there's this big fan experience, the, the NFL experience, which has got all sorts of bits and pieces going on, um, and then go home for the game. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's unlike anything else I've experienced. It feels like an Olympic host city, but everyone mm. nicks off just before the 100 metres final um, to, go, to go and uh, do their own swimming, thing at home. You're talking swimming, of course, aren't you, Jared? You're talking swimming. <laughs> of course I am, James. Of course. That's the event that really crackles. <laughs> can, we, can, we, uh, can our Australian sports learn anything from, from the NFL and the way they do grand final week? Are there any bits and pieces we can take back here for AFL or NRL? So I don't suffer any cultural cringe on this, is there's no. a few things the NFL could learn from our games. Ah. And the number one is the, the, post, the post-game presentation and celebration. It is a total mess what happens here after the final whistle, whereas our sports are so good at creating that moment of triumph, the handing over of the trophy, and then the lap of honour to share it with the fans. Mm -hmm. It's a complete mishmash that happens over here at the end of the game, and they would do well to come and sit at our grand finals and see what that looks like. At the Friday parade in Melbourne, so, uh, you know, I've grown up with AFL. That... There's, not, there's, there's always 100,000 people in the streets of Melbourne, which is just glorious. Uh, that is not replicated here. They have opening night instead. And there's just the, the one thing here, and it's not, um, there's no criticism in it. There's just scope and size. It's just bigger. It's bigger because of the population. It's bigger because of the, the money that's involved in it. Um, and it, the only event I've ever been to like it is an Olympic Games. So uh, the, just the magnitude of it is bigger than what we have. But it doesn't mean any more than the NRL Grand Final means to the faithful or the AFL Grand Final means to the faithful. That you would absolutely recognise in a heartbeat. But the idea of having the host city, there's three participants, there's the two teams and the host city, it, it, it does magnify everything, I think. We've got to get a prediction off you before we let you go, Jared. Who's going to win the game? Yes, I probably don't have the, the strongest feeling other than uh, I'm a Mahomes guy. So uh, if you nail my foot to the floor, I'll side with Mahomes. But I'm, I think this will be a great Super Bowl. They played a brilliant game in Miami four years ago, uh, and I think it's got every chance of replicating or even exceeding that. All right, good luck with the call, Jared, and good luck on the craps table. Hopefully you win big, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you back here in Australia in short time. Lovely. Good on you, James. Thanks, Michael. Jared will be calling the Super Bowl 58 live from Las Vegas next Monday here on SEN. He'll be joined in commentary by former Australian NFL player Ben Graham and NFL great Larry Fitzgerald. Coverage begins here on 1170 AM in Sydney, straight after breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. Uh, all right, breakfast, powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together Heading for a top of 25 across Sydney today. I'm just looking out the window here at North Sydney. Bit cloudy and gloomy. There is a chance of showers this afternoon. You're listening to the home of sport in Sydney, SEN 1170 AM.